Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. It's good to be back. We had a little bit of a break, thank God. We had a break for Tishrei, for the Chagim. And then Cheshvan, I had, um, Baruch Hashem, a few simchas I needed to attend. And then at the end of Cheshvan, towards Kislev, um, we were in Israel, thank God, for my daughter's bat mitzvah trip. It was actually, this uh, bat mitzvah trip was supposed to take place in 2020. But of course, the world shut down then. So it was a trip that was postponed to this past November, thank God. And actually on that trip, uh, we were able to visit the homes of two organizations, which was incredible, the homes of Migdal Or and the homes of um, Amuna. And it was incredible to see the actual elevation of darkness to light because you have to understand these kids come from pretty rough backgrounds and um, they're actively elevating, becoming functioning, successful members of society, really triumphant people, thank God. So that was really incredible to see. It was actually very overwhelming in a positive way. Um, and of course, that led into Hanukkah, which, you know, a time of great light, miracles. So that was really nice. So now we are in Tevet. And I'm not sure if anyone's had a chance to listen to some of their favorite podcasts uh, introducing the month of Tevet. I'm going to give a little quick um, introduction that Gedalia met, uh, gave back, um, not this past Sunday, the Sunday before. Actually, it was on Rosh Chodesh Tevet. So he got, he did a really good job quoting uh, Rav Pinson, um, the dichotomy of explaining the dichotomy of Tevet and um, Tammuz. They are essentially two of two polar opposites, um, but the same. So uh, it's essentially two side two different sides of the exact same coin. So Tevet is extreme cold, Tammuz is extreme heat. In the Tevet, in Tammuz, you need to cool off a little. Of course, in uh, Tevet, you need to heat up a little. When I heard this, I thought it was actually hilarious because my sister and I, um, I'm a Tammuz baby, and my sister's a Tevet baby, and anyone who knows us will say that we are two polar opposites, um, but we're actually the same. So I thought that was really interesting and um, neat. Um, okay, so what are the things that we need to look out for? Um, in the month of Tevet, according to Rav Pinson, you know, it's a, it's chaotic energy coming at you because it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's energy, which is great, but it's disorganized. So basically you need to organize it. What kind of energy are we talking about? You know, the impulsivity, the anger, being prone to anger, um, instant gratification. Of course, when you don't get what you want right away, you resort to anger, being able to, um, having patience, um, having boundaries, of course. Um, also, when you have the boundaries, just don't go like trigger happy, like excommunicating everyone in your life. Again, we remember, we have learned before that anyone who, you know, anything you don't like in someone else is just a reflection of what you need to work on yourself. Of course, there's toxic people and you need to keep the boundaries, but like don't com- excommunicate everyone from your life. Um, I heard another shear from someone on Instagram, just taking the same concept. It's a person, it's, it's actually an individual from Tzvat. Um, he talks a lot on Instagram. So he basically stated, um, his name is, what's his name? Ellie Pereiro. You could follow him on Instagram. Um, he stated that, um, after this incredible light, uh, and incredible expansion of Hanukkah, 
you know, it's a time of constriction and concealment um, during Tevet. So it's specifically in this time of concealment that we have to hold on to our faith and our faith is being tested. So we have to cling on to Hashem. So I thought that was really, really nice, like a neat little introduction to Tevet. And of course, while I was, you know, while we went on a little bit of a hiatus, um, the last week or so, actually not the last week, just a little bit before Kislev, I was reading two really amazing books. One is called, um, maybe you guys have heard of it, it's amazing, um, The Besa Levi on Bitachon, Peas, Love, and Carrots, Danielle Renoff, you know, has been talking about this book forever. Um, Gedalia Fenster has been talking about this book for a long time also. So I decided to pick it up and it's the only way you could describe it is like delicious truth. It's amazing. Um, I loved it. We're not going to be learning it today, but God willing, I will, I do want to learn it, um, in the future. Um, and I want to spend a few classes on it cause like there's every word is just brilliant. Um, and in addition to that book, um, what, the book that we are actually going to be looking into is called The 13 Principles of Amuna: The Timeless Foundations of Jewish Faith by Rabbi Laser Brody. It's an incredible book. A little funny story about how I even got to this book. Um, way back when in Sivan, when I first started giving these classes and, you know, um, these 13 principles of faith are found and the 13, th- these are essentially the anima amins, right? At the end of Shachari, you find them at the end of, in an art scroll, Sidur. So I thought to myself, wouldn't it be so amazing if someone came up with a book that specifically <laughs> explains each principle? And lo and behold, um, I was listening to a podcast randomly, and it was Rabbi Laser Brody who was on it, and he referenced this book, and I was like, I need to buy this book. And this book is amazing. Everyone, everyone should purchase it. Um, it's It's small. It's not huge even carry it in your purse if you want but it's really it's a great book and we're actually going to be discussing the first three principles of the 13 principles because um, I want to go a little bit in depth and I don't want to take up your entire day okay so that's a little introduction now before um, we start with principle number one I just want to I just want to reference who wrote the actual 13 principles of Amuna. Obviously, it's a Torah giant. It's the Rambam. The Rambam wrote the 13 principles of faith. Um, he did it in the, he did one, did he do it? It was a, tw- it, he gleaned over the entire Torah. It was in the 12th century and he codified Jewish law and he came up with these 13 principles of Jewish, uh, of, in Judaism. And it is our core you know, belief system. It's our core faith. And um, it's. In, I just wanted to make also a note, it was specifically the Rambam, a gigantic Torah giant, um, obviously huge commentator, you know, inc- incredibly important to, you know, Judaism. Um, he was on the rational side of Jewish thought. So it was specifically the Rambam um, and, you know, on the side of Jewish of a rational side of Jewish thought who created these 13 principles of faith of Amuna. What does that tell you? Amuna is not for, you know, the select few people. It's not for, you know, the Jews that live in that side of the country or in that side of the world, or, oh, that's, that Jew is so spiritual. Of course they have Amuna, but it's not for me, God forbid. Or that person is a Balchuba. Oh, no wonder they're so spiritual. So that's a big, big, like, lie essentially to think that way 
Um, and the sooner we realize that, the better it is. Uh, emuna is for absolutely everyone. Every single Jew is uh, commanded to have emuna, essentially. So there's that. Okay, the first principle is, and I'm going to say them in English, um, just so it's um, just so it's um, easily understood for anyone listening. And um, if you want, you could look in the Siddur, in the Art Scroll Siddur in the back, and uh, you can also reconcile there. Okay, so I believe with complete belief that the Creator, blessed be His name, is the Creator and Director of all creations, and He alone did, does, and will do every deed. So in three words, we look in Zvarim, and we will find um, the three words that summarize this entire principle, and it is, in, the words are, Ein od vado, right? So, Hashem, it's basically everything, absolutely everything is from Him. There's no one or anything, no one besides for Hashem that causes anything to happen in the world. So what does this mean, practically speaking? When we see what's going on in the world and we see one individual doing, you know, something horrific or another individual doing something amazing, we have to understand that the creations of Hashem created these creations and they may choose to do something positive or negative, but if they are only an agent of divine will and providence. So this also applies to us when we succeed. It's from Hashem. If we fail, it's also from Hashem. If someone has a cold and, you know, they, uh, uh, the cold gets better right away, Baruch Hashem, it's from Hashem. And guess what? If someone has a cold and it turns into a sinus infection, guess what? It's also from Hashem. So absolutely everything is from Hashem. So obviously the natural question here is, Rifka, where does Hishtadlut, you know, play in this in this big picture of you know divine divine will and providence? Okay, so Rabbi Laser Brody does an excellent job. He actually brings like a neat way of explaining um, Hishtadlut. He talks about before the fact and after the fact of an event occurring. So if for, before the fact you have done everything that you could have possibly done within the level of bitachon that you're at, then you can rest assured that, you know, you, you, you can rest assured that you did the proper level of hishtadlut. Again, when he's talking about doing something at the level of bitachon you're at, he's making he's actually the base of Levi specifically talks about this that you can't go into overdrive ego mode right like control freak ego mode so if you're trying if you're going into the neurosis into the anxiety into the anger like part of like you know trying everything and then going into those negative emotions you're not anymore in bitachon you're not anymore in hishtadlut that is just anti-bitachon and anti-hishtadlut so you just have to be careful you know you do do whatever you've got to do, but the whole point is you can't be lazy. So you got to you got to do your work. Okay, wonderful. Now, what does this do when afterwards you've actually you know something has happened? You realize that you did your level of hishtadlut. So after the fact, okay, whatever happened was meant to be. So what does this do for your mind? Why is this so beneficial? It, it sa saves you from well, you know when you do something when you're successful at something versus when you fail at something, it saves you going from the ego-oriented emotional turmoil. So for example, when you break a deal, you were trying so hard you know, to get that $2 million deal, you succeeded. Mazel tov, wonderful. Guess what? It's not because of you. 
You are just the channel through which Hashem decided to make something happen that was meant to happen. So you cannot go into arrogance and pride. That's the point. Again, you wanted to make the $2 million deal. I'm sorry, it didn't work out. Okay, wonderful. Don't go into depression and anger and start blaming everyone around you. Start hating on yourself. First, start, first you shouldn't blame yourself and then you shouldn't blame other people. Again, it's not letting you, to, this, this, when you understand this after the fact um, explanation of Hishtad Lut, you basically save yourself from emotional turmoil, right? Which is very important. Now, um, okay, so who did that? Okay, wonderful. Now we go into the second principle. I believe with complete belief that the creator, blessed be his name, is one and there is no unity like him under any circumstances. And he alone is our God, past, present, and future. Okay, so this principle is essentially summarized in Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. Right? We are talking about monotheism here. There's no appendage, God forbid, no sidekick, God forbid, no helper, God forbid. Hashem is one. Ain od, like again, it's the it's shma, it's it's Enod Melvado. There is no other existence but him. And absolutely everything is from Hashem. It's for the very best, right? So Rabbi Laser Brody very brilliantly states that the reason why some of the most sophisticated minds on the, in the past centuries were unable to grasp this concept was because monotheism is not in line with logic and intellect. So Amuna begins where intellect, where intellect ends. So obviously we, we all know people who need to see it to believe it, but the Amuna-based way of thinking is I'll see it when I believe it. So this, this you know, principle helps reconcile, you know, if someone's facing a constriction, God forbid, if someone's dealing with a trial or tribulation, God forbid, they know, again, I'm specifically saying no, and I'm not saying understand, because when God forbid someone's going through a trial or tribulation, and they have emuna, they are holding on to their faith, and they know they understand absolutely nothing. God willing, in the future, they will see the big picture. But just like we learned in Tomer Devorah, they understand, okay, it's a cleansing of the soul. It's for the very best, and it's an immuna strengthener. Now, I'm just going to give you an example. I don't know if anyone watched the CBY podcast, so I was on it. Um, I know the rabbis, thank God. I love my shul. It's a fantastic shul. So they heard that, you know, I do heat Buddha dude every day, you know, and so they wanted to interview me, and they asked me, you know, the obvious question, Rifka, what started this spiritual journey? And I, you know, explained that, um, you know, about seven years ago, seven and a half years ago at this point, um, thank God, you know, I had back pain. It was pretty rough. And um, at that point, anything I thought or knew, whatever it was, I basically nullified myself because it was a little bit unexplainable. Um, and, um, but what I can tell you for sure at that point in time, seven and a half years ago, when this happened, I could tell you right now, Hashem was not front row and center in my life. He was not, I was laxing. I was, you know, slacking for sure on the mitzvot front. I was certain the person you're looking at today was certainly not the person seven and a half years ago. So, you know, I, I, it, it. I nullified myself basically to Hashem. 
So I, you know, I saw the new Square Rebbe. He told me to read Dr. Sarno. Wonderful. That was how I learned about the mind-body connection. I had another rabbi from Israel who my grandmother, you know, asked for me, you know, what I needed to do. And he recommended that I learn uh, Shar Teshuvah, The Gates of Heaven. Um, I actually have that book in my house. So wait, wait, but before, okay, wonderful, Rivka, you learned, you know, the gates of tish, gates of um, repentance. Okay, wait, let me just tell you something about that. I learned, I was told to learn that book every single day for three months straight for half an hour each day, zero interruption. Okay. That was the first time I ever learned something with literally zero, like, like if someone was speaking to me, I'm not talking to them. I had to learn it. Now, fast forward 2019, when I started doing Heat But A Dute, I was only, I only had the courage to start doing Heat But A Dute, to start to being okay with not talking with someone for a certain amount of time, because I knew that I was able to do it because I did it way back when in 2015, when I needed to learn Shar Teshuva, when I—that's what gave me the courage. That's what, and, and I knew that okay, you know, whatever I thought I knew, I know nothing, and I'm gonna just do Baruch Hashem a million times. You know, at the, you know, Hashem sent me a refuah very quickly. Thank you, thank you, Hashem, like very, very quickly, seven and a half years ago. So when I started doing the Hebrew Dude in 2019, like I had the courage to try it. And then I was successful doing it for five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour. And even on days when, you know, I'm not totally, you know, my, do I have the most Kavana? It's okay. It's okay. But I'm just saying like, that was a connection I actually made when I was preparing this class. So thank you, Hashem. So yeah, that was really amazing. Okay. Third principle. I believe with complete belief that the creator, blessed be his name, is not a body, nor can any physical entity comprehend him. He is incorporeal with no image whatsoever. What this essentially is saying is, Hashem is, you know, Kabbalistically speaking, Ein Sof, the infinite. So logically speaking, it is impossible for any human to grasp this concept. And this is, again, where Amuna kicks in because it's obviously where intellect ends. Amuna takes hold. In fact, Rabbi Brody emphasizes that Amuna is the prerequisite for getting to know Hashem in any way in accordance with each soul's individual potential and efforts in acquiring spiritual awareness. Our sages actually specifically state it is this principle may be the hardest to comprehend, particularly particularly the line about any physical entity being able to comprehend him. Why? So Rabbi Lazar Brody gives four reasons, or as he calls hurdles, as to why it's so difficult for, you know, the human mind to understand this esoteric concept. So number one, bodily appetites, very simply put, we have an animal soul and we have a divine soul, right? The Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Hatov. Um, we have to, the only way we activate, the only way our godly soul gets activated is, of course, through Amuna and Bitachon. Now, what happens when a person, um, a person's Yetzer Hara basically overcomes their Yetzer Hatov, right? So they basically create this blockage. They can't hear truth. What I'm talking about, when someone is talking about Hashem, when someone is talking about Torah, they do one of two things, or both. They basically say, one, 
God forbid, you know, Hashem, Torah, it's not for them. Or what they do is they basically take the truth and they twist it to fit their lives, right? We see some of this in certain sects of Judaism. I don't want to like name any names. I don't want to be divisive. But what we have seen is, it, and it's an issue. It's an issue. It's a halachic issue when we take truth and we want to change it. First of all, Hashem does not change, which that's number one. And we're going to get learn more and, you know, you know, as we get into the principles, the next class, we also know not only does Hashem not change, but we have the exact same Torah that was given to Moshe at Har Sinai. Hashem, the Torah is Hashem's, is Hashem's. It does not change either. So when someone, God forbid, takes the Torah and changes halacha to meet their, to meet their lifestyle, you're twisting the truth. And not only are you twisting the truth, you will also cause yourself turmoil, but you would actually think the opposite, right? If someone is, you know, carefree and like, you know, it's no big deal. I don't care if I have to eat kosher and I'm just going to like, you know, twist the truth to make, you know, it's fine as long as it's not pig or, you know, shellfish, um, essentially. Um, you're, you're in, you're, you still have that divine soul, right? So the, they're still in conflict with each other and then it creates inner turmoil for the individual. And what happens when we have inner turmoil, the blame game starts, you know, everything, everyone around them, but them is the issue. And then we have, you know, I was going to say in 2022, we have this blame game situation, but we're now in 2023. So, um, it's obviously detrimental to society. So it behooves us to have that connection with Hashem, to have emunah v'bitachan, to open up those blockages so we, it's good for us to be able to receive that light. But we have to build our vessels in order to be able to do so. Okay, bodily appetites. Now number two, our ego. So um, this is just a continuation essentially of the first um, hurdle, which is um, naturally... Of course, because we are born with the Yitzhar Hara, we are naturally inc inclined to be control freaks. So the notion of Yesh Ma'ayin, right? When we learn about how creation happens, the, if you ask any scientist, again, I'm not talking about science. Hashem created science. If scientists, the individuals who have free will, choose to interpret something incorrectly, it's on them basically, right? But science, Hashem created science. There is no, it's, it's, he created the world in such a way that it looks natural and we call it science, but it's a miracle every single second of every single day. Now, when the scientists interpret the Big Bang Theory, they say that there was primordial matter before the Big Bang. So they're essentially saying there was something existing before the Big Bang, before the creation of the world. That is not what we believe. We believe ex nihilo, right? Yesh if the scientists who talk about Big Bang were saying that, you know what, there was primordial matter that God created, we're having a different conversation. But to say that something existed always and we have no idea where it was from, and that's how the world was created, is not at all what we as Jews believe. And again, it's not comprehensible to the to the regular to the human mind to think this way. And the Balatanya specifically states everything stems from his blessed wisdom, which is the source of life and creation. Hashem created the world exactly how he wanted to create the world, and it was from Yeshma'ain. He did it himself. Okay. Now 
this is the next hurdle. I'm actually switching the order just because it like flows better for the class. So the Torah's use of tangible imagery. So since we are finite, our capacity to comprehend is finite. Therefore, the Torah speaks to us in a language of humans. So this is from Masachet Brachot. So anytime we read, so anytime, when we read in the Torah, you know, when, you know, when it's talking about Hashem sitting in his throne or, you know, uh, the, you know, Hashem outstretching his hand or Hashem getting angry like these or Hashem being or loving us, you know, these like, like human like descriptions are only there so we can understand it because humans we are limit. We cannot understand Hashem, so He blessed us with a Torah that we will be we that is understandable to us. But we shouldn't think that this is actually describing physically what Hashem looks like. Okay, okay, and finally, the last hurdle: the nations of the world. So, since the beginning of time, um, Jews have been tortured for having essentially emuna, right? Believing in Hashem. Um, why, so, so the natural question is like, what is up with people not wanting, not wanting us to believe that there is a higher power? So the answer is very simple. Any tyrant, any dictator, any, the, the pharaohs, any, like the nimrods of the world, basically any horrible human being who wants control doesn't want any, any of its people believing that there is a power, higher power because it undermines this tyrant's um, authority. So this is exactly what happened in the story of Hanukkah, right? So the Greeks, what did they want to do? They did this whole notion of Hellenism, making Jews convert. They specifically actually target, without realizing they targeted, they targeted this third principle, the notion of there being a higher incorporeal power. So they, if they, they realized that if they were able to wipe out this notion, God forbid, then Judaism would have been wiped out. And the Maccabean rebellion was specifically, like, was specifically centered on this principle and against the Greeks for us, for us knowing and keeping the faith that Hashem is a higher incorporeal power. Again, this formula of trying to wipe out the Imuna in a higher power than just, you know, body and man, um, stem is since the beginning of time, like the Romans, Crusaders, Inquisitionists, the Cossacks, the Nazis, they all had the same formula. And, you know, it's, 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 and then we could even go further back, like, you could even ask, when did actual anti-Semitism start? Well, it started at Har Sinai when the Jews said, Na'asa v'nishma, and we're happy to accept the Torah. Again, the second we said that, the hatred in all these other nations towards us were born. Why? Because we are the light unto the other nations, and we're essentially the thorn in their side. Because we are the chosen, we are the people. When I say, when people say we're the chosen people, we are the people that Hashem wants us to be the light to show the world for them to also see. Listen, there is a higher power. It is Hashem. It is His kingdom. It is His world then other nations don't really want to accept that. They will, God willing, when Mashiach is here, but they don't really want to accept that. And until they finally get the memo, they're going to fight us tooth and nail on the fact that, you know, we know the truth, we have the truth, we want to share the truth, 
but it's it's hard for them to accept this higher power. And God willing, Bezrat Hashem, in the Sukkot of Avram Yitzchak Be'akol, when Mashiach comes, Ben-Hira Be'aminu Amin, that all the nations of the world will praise Hashem, Be'yom Ha'hu Yeh Hashem Echad, Ushmo Echad, Amin. So this is where we're going to stop today, and God willing, we will continue next week. That's my aim, to continue next week, God willing, um, for uh, some of the next set of principles. Thanks. Bye.